Welcome to Inspiring Entrepreneurs Montreal, showcasing stories from outstanding business people by FL Montreal, formerly today's entrepreneur, of course. My name is Dan Delmar, and with us this week is Euros Malekic, FL consultant, filling in for Mike Newton. Hello, Euros. Hey, Dan. Happy to be back. I'm looking forward to today's episode. It's October. Sweater weather is here. No complaints on my end. And uh, I think we could say, Dan, it's officially pumpkin spice latte season. I don't know if you're a fan. Uh, not such a huge fan. No, I don't drink coffee. That's, uh, yeah. You, well, you like pumpkin at least? Pumpkin? I, I will, I will have a good pumpkin pie for sure. Yeah. Um, maybe when you put it in a pie, it's, it's sort of not as healthy, but that being <laughs> said, Dan, I'm a fitness enthusiast, fitness buff, whatever you want to call it. I'm very eager to, uh, to hear about our guest Danielle's story today. Yeah, Danielle Danel is the founder of Calcio Plein Air. So they do fitness classes out in nature. And as someone who um, has done nature stuff his whole life, uh, trail running and cycling and all that, I'm a really big believer in the benefits of working out outdoors and just, uh, you know, adapting to your environment, knowing your environment, and um, frankly, meditating in nature. It's a really great way for entrepreneurs, especially busy entrepreneurs, to disconnect a little bit and reconnect with themselves. Yeah, for sure. And and I could tell you, I've done a lot of workouts in my my lifetime. And uh, when you do them outside, it's not the same. The focus level, I feel, is definitely higher. You don't have your phone out and you're not scrolling through social media. Uh, there's less distractions, even if you feel like sometimes there would be more. I think everyone that's there is focusing on the same goal. And it's definitely uh, efficient, for sure. So Calzo Plenaire has about 50 franchisees across Quebec. And Danielle Daneau will share some big news about the future of her business on the program today. And we'll also talk about wills and estates later on the show uh, with our consultant at FL Montreal. But first, some news and notes as usual, Euros. And uh, I love talking about benefits because I think it's really important uh, in terms of internal marketing, internal PR, for especially larger organizations to get a bit bolder and more interesting uh, with their benefits offerings, especially in a competitive job market. Um, Speaking of which, what's the top trending employee benefit of 2022? Yeah, so with the most popular, you know, employee perks and policies in place, I think businesses risk losing valuable employees without having that there. Um, And we'll go over, you know, this article that that you're referring to explains what the top trending employee benefits of 2022 are. Uh, Dan, everyone's looking for talent right now. I mean, you see it across all industries. LinkedIn posts are there. If you haven't noticed it already, I don't know what you're looking at. But, you know, these last two years have pushed people over the edge of what, you know, if they want to pursue something else, candidates are, you know, employees are going from one place to another. Sometimes they feel the grass is greener on the other side. It's not always the case, as we know. Uh, And it's a little bit circumstantial, you know, where we are, where we're at post pandemic. I think people feel safe leaving a safe job. Uh, You didn't hear about that back then, you know, like uh, a few years back, if you had a good job, you want to stick there and kind of pursue that. Now it's sort of, you know, what else can I get? Uh, So this article describes the most trending employment benefits. And one of the bigger ones is hybrid working. I think by now, most offices that are able to have, you know, uh, office type jobs that offer office type jobs are are giving this uh, this perk. Uh, Four-day work week is another big one. Um, that one is, you know, a little more 
costly, uh, if you will, for the employer. However, it's it's not abnormal to see it, especially in the summer months. You know, we we have that reduced workload in the summer months that's usually made available. And for employers that are doing business to business, if you think about it, if everyone else is offering this at the same time, it's less disruptive for your business. Uh, so that was another popular one. Signing bonuses. Um, you know, you want to wheel someone in at this point, even though that may have a negative connotation, if everyone else is offering a signing bonus, it's difficult not to offer one, you may be out of the game, uh, out of the conversation for a good candidate if you don't do that. Uh, and then of course, there's other ones, um, one that jumped out at me and, and that's fitting for the, for this uh, conversation today with Danielle, the subsidized gym memberships. Uh, I think it's important. This one definitely correlates to employee productivity. It's not overly expensive to implement. And there is, you know, it's there are studies that show that there's a direct benefit for the employer. You know, you have the employees that are more motivated. Um, so I think after considering all those, I could tell you that remote work is still the most searched employee benefit with, I think, a global search volume of almost 1.5 million hits. Hmm, interesting. Um, we're going to report that back to Mike next week and see what he says about that. Exactly. Uh, the other one I was that was on my on my uh, radar here is paternity leave, which is the the leave when you get a new puppy, and that would I could use that maybe this week. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So you have a, a, a new uh, pet, right? New puppy. Yeah, she's actually being quite very quiet right now, so that's that's good news. Awesome. That's uh, or I should say possum. <laughs> All right, let's get to um, on a more serious note. Why startups fail? This article in Les Affaires. Pourquoi la plupart des startups échouent? So, why? What's the what's the main reason why most of them fail? In your in your view, Euros? Well, the first topic that you know, first of all, there's a Harvard Business Review on this, and and there's a bunch of reasons. But the first first reason is knowing your customers and who your market is. I think if you don't have a good understanding of that. Uh, you don't have the feedback from from those customers or those prospective customers. You're going to have a hard time adapting. One of the basics in marketing philosophy, and I'm not a marketing professional by any means, but just logically, you have to listen uh, to your consumers. You got to collect the data. You got to then create, develop, design the product or service, and then share it. You got to test it out and listen to feedback, make changes. Uh, the other issues. Um, surrounding, you know, startups not succeeding is not having the right team in place. And that starts from, you know, setting up properly, having the right professional, who's setting your budget? You know, do you have targets? Do you have milestones? Do you know what your break even, um, you know, tar targets are? Do you know where you're going? You got to have the direction. And then having the right partners is also, uh, you know, a big, um, a big variable. Things as obvious as, what happens if a partner passes away? And I know we're going to be dealing with that, you know, with Amanda as the, as the, as the guest specialist, these things, these things need to be ironed out. And I think, you know, well, well, basically if, if someone passes away and they're your partner, are you dealing with an estate then? Are you dealing with a beneficiary? You should have a shareholders agreement, um, you know, and, and you need the right people to sort of point you to those things because you're navigating through uncharted waters for yourself uh, if you're a startup. Another common issue then is, again, tied up sort of to the customers is having an MVP. An MVP is a minimum viable product. And it's essentially, 
your startup product, the, the basic features, the most basic features to attract your early adopter customers. Um, you know, this is what's going to validate what you're selling. And then figuring out who you're selling it to, how you're selling it, you got to generate that top line. If you're not doing that, you're not reaching your milestones. You may have a cash burn rate every month that you're not aware is just going to sink you to the ground. So I think you got to be ready for, for, for those things. The product part is important, I think, because especially in the tech startup world, uh, you lose sight of that sometimes. You have a really good idea, good vision, something that's cool or neat. And then um, coming back to the product uh, often is not the first consideration. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know what? Uh, another thing with the vision that you just mentioned is that direction is so important. Having a strong sense of direction will really ensure you keep your key employees as well, because they're, at some point in time, you're going to have um, some adversity that you face. And I think if you're in that stage and you have that long-term vision, your key employees will most often sacrifice, you know, some short-term pain for a long-term uh, vision and gain. But if that path is not clear to them, you may lose your key players. One thing you wanted to mention from this Inc.com piece, uh, Euros, is uh, 10 toxic phrases in your job descriptions that turn off candidates. Um, <laughs> 100% in person, is that one that might turn people off these days? Yeah, for sure. That's uh, sort of now when you see that. I mean, mind you, it depends on who you're speaking to, right? A lot of more experienced workers now uh, definitely are looking for uh, remote type environments. I think when you're dealing with a, another segment generation, they may be okay with coming to the office. So it really depends who, who you're speaking to. Um, and, you know, as we've said a moment ago, in a time now post-pandemic where virtually every employer is looking for talent, you can't hire people fast enough. So if you're hiring part-time workers, fully remote workers, I mean, some people are in desperation mode, unfortunately. So what can you do as an employer to increase your odds in attracting the right talent? They did, uh, well, Paychex is, is a payroll service company. Uh, they recently surveyed 805 Americans, and I do realize we're in Canada, but there's certainly similarities there um, with, with our friends uh, down south. And uh, these 805 Americans were all looking for a job in the last year. So the survey asked them, uh, about what what was really a turnoff in uh, when they evaluated a position that they were that they were thoughtfully uh, you know interested in it and the top ten expressions uh, that discouraged them uh, when they saw were is, is commission based salary you have to handle stress well you're willing to wear many hats um, your responsibilities may include those outside of the job description so I think. Those first four right there, Dan, are geared towards a do-it-all job. And some individuals, they may see an opportunity in that, but clearly many of them uh, feel that's a turnoff. So if you're not specific enough um, of what you're looking for, uh, you may not land on the right candidate. So that's something to keep in mind. And then other turnoffs included, you know, looking for uh, self-starters, putting in that you're in a fast-paced environment. Again, this perceived lack of direction from an employer will create a sense of uh, insecurity within the applicant. The poll also, on, on a brighter note, the poll also highlighted some things that you do want to implement in, um, in your job, job description is specifying a salary range. Educate yourself of what that is, obviously, uh, for the different roles. And, and I think if you show a clear path for growth established for those high achievers, 
uh, it'll work. And almost half of the respondents uh, notice spelling and or grammar mistakes. So make sure that you iron those out before you post the, the job uh, description. And that's an easy fix. So I think if you do that, educate yourself on the process, you'll, you'll hopefully find the right talent. And Eurosa, it's another all millennial show. And I know um, both of us are kind of outdoorsy types. So today's show, I think, is going to be uh, really, really fun. Absolutely, Dan. I'm super excited for this uh, interview with uh, Danielle. So uh, I, I think you know me a little bit by now that I'm a huge fitness enthusiast, as I've said a few times probably by now. Um, so yeah, I'm very much looking forward to hearing Danielle's story today. All right, let's get right to our guest. Danielle Dano is the founder of the Outdoor Fitness Bootcamp uh, organization, Calcio Plein Air. Danielle, welcome to Inspiring Entrepreneurs Montreal. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. Our pleasure. So let's begin with the easiest question. Uh, could you please define your business? What is Calcio Plein Air? Calcio Plein Air is, is the first company we started 22 years ago now, uh, who offers classes, uh, fitness classes in parks. We are now around about 200 parks in the province of Quebec, and people meet with an instructor, and um, they will do, we have now 12 programs. We started with just one 22 years ago, but now we have 12 programs. So anyone who's interested, who's passionate about fitness and outdoor uh, can find a class for them. We have classes for new moms uh, with the stroller and the baby, uh, we have classes for the elderly, classes for people like boot camp, and it, it's a little bit more military style, and so so people can you know go more and spend more energy and sedipasi. I don't know how how would say that in English. Push their limits. Push their limits. That that's exact exactly it. And we have classes that will be like plein air zen, which is a little bit like yoga, but it's still fitness, and we do the training in slow motion. I wanted to slow down the tempo to see how the body would react and your mind would react. So that's a very, very nice class. And we have classes uh, to learn how to jog, to have a good te jogging technique. So everybody can find something for them. And Danielle, this is a large business, right? I mean, uh, to give us a sense of the size of it. Yeah. yeah, now we're about in about 200 parks, and I could not do this by myself. So I decided to choose the franchisee model. So we have 50 franchisees. So we have about 300 to 400 instructors, depending on the season, because we have two big seasons, which are fall and spring. And during the summer, we have a little bit less clientele. People would think it would be the opposite, but in the summer, people are pretty active by themselves and we have the winter also so it's a pretty big business the head office has about 10 people and our role as a franchisor is to help our franchisees to make money the more they make money the more we make money and the more they there is money for the franchisor well the more we can reinvest in the business to innovate and stay up ahead of the, of the game and that's, we've been doing this very successfully because there are no other uh, business that compares to us. We're the only one who's all around Quebec. You, you will see some locally that will do something pretty small, but we're still, after 22 years, the leader, the pioneers, and we're the only one who's there 
around the the whole province. Uh, Danielle, a quick question as a segue from the franchises that you've established. You mentioned roughly around 50. Talk a little bit about the training accreditations uh, that that you've established within that. So how does someone go about, uh, I guess, acquiring a franchise or being part of the brand? That's a a good question. What we're looking for in, in the first place are people who are good developers. Uh, will because we don't have in French we say pignon sur rue. We don't have a commerce that people will come in. We have to go and get our people because we work in parks. So you won't see um, a logo cardio planar when you get into the park. So we need some people who will be you know they will go forward and go get their clientele themselves. So that's the first thing. Of course, we want passionates about fitness and about outdoors. Some of them come from the sales uh, industry. Uh, they're very, they're the best ones that we have in our franchise. And these guys then, because they're interested, like you, Dan, they like the trails, like you, or you like fitness, you also, um, they will go get their degree or certification as an instructor after that. And they'll do development they'll do some management and they'll be they'll want to be with the customers also on the on the ground in the the parks with them and it's it's a good job it's a nice job because you do a little bit of everything so it's never boring and working outdoors is oh, the best thing in the world i used to teach inside for 20 years i was an aerobics step kickboxing instructor for 20 years with music and the noise and a lot of people, but now I would never go back in. Being outdoors, there are so many benefits to being outdoors. So that's the type of people that that we're looking for. The process to have a franchise is very rigorous in Capsule Plan I. You will have like uh, eight steps to go through before we'll give you a franchise. And of course, we will examine your credit your, your balance sheet to, to make sure that you're solvable, we say in French. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I answered right. Uh... No, you did. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still, you know, I guess uh, I'm super enthusiastic about the whole thing. <laughs> and you mentioned you started 22 years ago uh, and there was no real competition at that time. And, and even now you said it's mostly like local stuff. Uh, but it doesn't have that brand name and significance that you've uh, managed to build over time. When you started, though, um, because a lot of, you know, there was a lot of unknown. And I'm asking this because we have many startup entrepreneurs that tune into our show and they often feel like maybe this wasn't what they thought it could be. Did you ever have that feeling along the way? And then how, how did you overcome that, Danielle? No, I, I always had the vision. You have to know that now we have 30,000 customers every year. I started with 16 in one park. And I had the vision that there was something there. I heard a lot of people who went to the gym and they said, okay, I register. It's, let's say it's after Christmas. I register in January and I'll take care of my health. And They'll be there for three weeks, maybe three months. And after that, that they quit. They didn't find what they were looking for. They didn't keep motivated to do the the, the fitness. And 
that wasn't in my mind. And I said, we have to offer something. Everybody loves nature. I don't know anybody who doesn't love nature because you go into a park and immediately you will feel, you know, calmer. So we feel that energy in, in the forest. And I said, I have this idea. And this, this idea came from a uh, conference that I went to Toronto. It was my first conference in 2000. And uh, I went by car. I didn't have any money at that time. I could not take the plane. So I, I come from a, a very, very modest family and I was on welfare in 95. So five years before I started Cardioplan, I, I was on welfare. So I, I did not have any money. So I go by car to Toronto. And there were two things that triggered the fact that it, I invented Cardioplanar. The first one, the health minister, Alan Rock, started the conference by saying, I'm looking for new ways to motivate Canadians to do more physical activity. So that stuck into my head. And after that, I went to a workshop and I was the first time I worked with the rubber bands, the exer tubes that we call. All my life, I worked with free weights. So I came back six hours. I said, oh, I really have to go and work out in the park near my house. And that's when I got into the park and I saw the infrastructures, uh, the bench, the picnic tables, the trees, of course, poles. And I said, with my exer tubes, I can reproduce a weight, a weight room and do everything I would do in a gym and everything I was teaching in a closed room. I said, I can do my lunges, my squats into the trails. And that's how the, the idea started. And at that time in 2000, not many people were working out outside. We didn't see anybody in the parks. There were not even joggers because doctors were saying at that time, oh, jogging is not good for your knees and you, you should stop jogging. So I, I worked up a system we have our mattress. It's like an isothermic mattress that I rolled up. My mom used to sew the Velcros on that so I could put the, the rubber bands around it. And we tie it around our, our waist. And when we would meet people in the parks in the beginning, they would say, oh, where are you going camping? You know, they saw the mattress and they, they didn't think we were going to do exercise. So it was a pretty crazy idea. Even my dad did not believe in my ideas that it, it will never work out. It will never grow. But I had that vision and, I, and the feedback I got from those 16 first people, they said, oh my God, I'm, I'm talking to my friends and they, they want to do this. So I started in the fall of 2000 with 16. In the winter, we were, and I did not advertise anywhere and we were 45. And in spring, we were 90. And in spring, that's when I said, okay, I have to take the market in the region of Montreal because if I don't do it, somebody who's going to have more money, more HR than me is going to take that market because I can see that people want this. So I was on the South Shore when I started. I went to see, and I was knocking on the doors of the cities, the municipalities and the... Uh, the parks, the, the park managers. And I said, okay, I would like to come and use your, your parks. And in counterpart, I can do some benevolent actions like uh, animations, benevolence. And 
stuff like that. And that's how it started. So I went to Mont Royal to be in the Centreville downtown. I went to Laval to be on the North Shore. I went to Parc Maisonneuve to be in the East and Parc Angrillon to be in the West. So I was teaching because I was alone at that time. I was teaching in all those parks. And after a year and a half, I said, okay, I'm going to die doing too much exercise. I have to find a way so I can still develop and make my business grow, but not being there myself. And that's when I started to think about the franchise model. That's how it started. Our guest is Danielle Deno, and we'll get to her one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur later on in the show. But first, the founder of uh, the bootcamp service, Calzio Plenaire, is talking about uh, how she built up her business over the last 20 years or so. And also, uh, Danielle, some of the unexpected challenges of having a business that is, um, you know, not headquartered in one place, you're out in nature, all kinds of question marks, you know, people interacting with nature, perhaps with even animals as well. What are some interesting stories along the way? And uh, what kind of curveballs have you faced in, in this very interesting business? Well, dealing with uh, the nature effectively is a challenge because you never know if it's going to rain. They say it's going to be sunshine and then it starts to rain. But we say in French, and you can translate that after, il n'y a pas de mauvais temps. Il n'y a que de mauvais vêtements. There are no bad weather. There are only bad clothing. Yeah, yeah you got you got to dress accordingly for sure. <laughs> That's it. So even rain or shine will be there, and uh, sometimes it happens that people because people can change their class. Let's say you register for a Monday class, and it's raining today, and you don't feel like being in the rain. You can go Tuesday, or next uh, next day in the week and it happens sometimes that you will have just one client with you at, at the beginning it happened and um, it becomes like a private training at that time so those are the things that happen the the biggest curveball i think i can talk about is the pandemic uh we were stopped just like a traditional gym and we were stopped for let's say two months in the beginning and we said, okay, we cannot be in the parks, we cannot be with our clientele, we have to do something to stay in the mind of our clientele. So we decided to post on Facebook every day for 65 days, um, a free workout at eight o'clock in the morning. And we, all our franchises, were, they were very fantastic because nobody was paid, we didn't have any revenue at the time, and everybody was doing that freely. And the guy in Rimouski, we know that in Rimouski, you have some, some sets that are wonderful. So he, he recorded this training while it was sunset. In Quebec, we did it in front of Chateau Frontenac. In Montreal, we did it in front of uh, Stade Olympique. So it, it was a, a, a good opportunity to show all the beautiful places that we were. And with that strategy, 300,000 people followed us for 60 days. So in June, we were able to start again. The government reopened us, but there were classes with eight people with the dense distanciation and at one time with masks. So that, that was bad. But it's in September, because of our strategy, and all the and we were with uh, Occupation Double also, which in French is a very big, big show. 
they have like 500,000 of uh, audience. So all the strategies, they paid out. The 13th of September, 2020, we reopened. That was our biggest season. We have ne had never seen anything like that. Three weeks later, the government closes us again for six months. So we had to reimburse everybody. How do you stay uh, positive at that time? Well, you just think and you brainstorm. I, I use all my leadership to crank up my, my people. And we said we are going to develop a new business model, which was the virtual uh, classes. And we still have those classes uh, now. So an entrepreneur, yes, I cried at times because I had to go get some loans and I had to go give my housing guarantee and my rears and that was tough. But you just roll up your sleeves and you start again and you, you have to stay positive. Yes. Yeah, a curveball like you've never seen before, right? And, and we navigated in and fought Different, for yeah. so long, but you become stronger. As an entrepreneur, you, you take this not as a problem, but as a challenge and you say, okay, how am I going to go forward with that? And we yeah. did it pretty good. No, for sure. And I mean, on that topic, you know, you touched on the fact that, you know, you had to go virtual for a bit. Where do you see like the fitness industry in general? Clearly, you have a good sense of vision with these things, with the outdoors being outside of the box at the time. Um, where do you see it going in the next, you know, 10, 15 plus years? Like, what do you what do you think has to change? Is it still going to be the traditional model with gyms, franchises, you know, the outdoor, outdoor stuff expanding? Is there going to be stuff in the metaverse? You know, where do you see things trending? The outdoors, for sure. There is a kind of a hit list of all the uh, tendencies that you, we will see in the next year. And outdoor was never there. Uh, weight training was there uh, with your, your own body, your, your body weight, um, losing weight, uh, being connected. You know, all these uh, the apps. Uh, and this we will see more and more. But this year... Outdoor training was number three, and we have never seen that. So I think it's going to take more and more. And because of the pandemic, people got out in the parks, which they did not do, and they, they discovered the benefits of nature. So we will see that. That's going to become a big, big, big trend. So for us, Cardio Planade, it's very important that we keep innovating and stay ahead of the game. So that keeps us on, on our toes. Um, you will see the metaverse for sure, and we're starting to see it. I, I have ideas of how I would like to do it. I'm not going to say it because I want to keep my ideas. Yeah, don't give away your secret sauce. <laughs> no, <that's for> sure. <laughs> but yes, we're going to see this. So it's going to be an opportunity for people, maybe with a, a mask, to try to, to see how it feels to, because you will see like, uh, Deers, and you'll see uh, in, in Longueuil, we have deers, we have birds, we have uh, foxes. It's magical to train outdoors. So, yes, those trains and being connected is going to be more and more. And so you can share with people your results. And we need a sense of community. Private, um, not private 
training one-on-one, but with small groups, you will see that more and more because people don't always have the money to pay a trainer for one hour. Uh, Let's say it's $100 an hour, but if you're three people, the trainer will train that small group. So this you will see uh, more and more. Yes. And one thing uh, I just want to ask, I mean, you mentioned community and how important that is. From what I understand, Cardio Planair has philanthropic ties. It's, uh, I think, the official ambassador for the Canadian Cancer Society. Yes, yes. I've been an ambassador of that, yeah. How important is that for you, Danielle, to give back? Uh, I know you also said in your journey, you know, you would go to the different parks. And and in return for them letting you use the park, you would offer, uh, you know, uh, your, 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 I guess, philanthropic uh, efforts. So I just want to know how important is that for you, for the brand? It's always been important to me. And from the beginning, it's important to me to give back to our community. I was very, very uh, involved with uh, Montréal Physiquement Active. I was the only uh, private business involved and I gave my free time for since uh, 2012. I've been involved in that. So it is important to me and we are with uh, multiple sclerosis, cancer society, um, Alzheimer also. So we'll, we will animate um, the walks that they do and we will give our free time and we'll give money also. We will. And I was an, an ambassador for Active. There was a um, challenge, mother-daughter. It was in August, uh, in the middle of August. And I was an ambassador. We were 35 business women, uh, influent women. And we got involved to make young girls be active. Girls who don't have any money to take classes, fitness classes or dance classes or whatever. And uh, I think we're close to $400,000 that the 35 women we were able to collect. So it is important to me. And we were talking about curveballs or things that I didn't see happen. I'm 61. And I was thinking about retiring, of course, because of my age. So you start to think, how is what's going to happen to your business? Uh, who's going to buy this? And I did a big, big workshop. And uh, I wrote 20 pages of how I see my business, how I see my role in the business. And I, have a, I, I used to have a board. And um, I said, I'm going to read to you. There are three people. I'm going to read to you my my reflection on everything about my business and where I see myself. And for five years, I said, I want to sell. I don't want to sell. I want to sell. I don't want to sell. And after I read my 20 pages to my board, they said, well, we think she's ready to sell now. And a few months after that, I get a call from some, for, from two people actually who said, are you interested in selling your business? And I said, oh my God, it's almost as if I was calling it, you know? And um, I said, well, I'm open to look into it. And uh, I met the two people and the people that I chose because I sold my business in April. Uh, We talked uh, around November and it took about five to six months to close the deal and everything. And I'm they're happy, I'm happy. And the, the people I sold to are my uh, web and marketing suppliers. 
They've been working with us for 12 years. It's not their core business, but they know Council Planner by heart. They knew our, uh, our revenue because they see the, the registration of everybody because they did our CRM and our uh, ERP. So it was, it was good for the business, I think. And now I see them. It, it's hard for me because they do things differently than from I would have done it. But I know it's from the better. And just to replace me, they have a vice president of uh, finance. They have somebody in marketing and they have someone, a director in HR. So that's three people who can do the job that I did just one by myself. So the business is in good hands. My franchisees are happy. My employees are happy also. And it's very reassuring for them to know that it's somebody they know. And they've been, known, they've been knowing for 12 years now. So that was a curveball that I did not see. Yes, I was ready in my mind to sell at that point. But I could have worked in my business 5, 10 years more. You know, Because usually they say a transition will take between five to 10 years. But that, that was done very, very fast. Well, Danielle, congratulations. And we're, we're happy to catch you at this very momentous time in, uh, in your life and in the, the course of your business. Fascinating story. And Danielle Dano is going to stick around. We'll have her one piece of advice for inspiring entrepreneurs at the end of the program. But coming up next, we're going to move to our experts. Amanda Curry, she's the manager of estates and trusts at FL Fuller Landau, talking about, of course, succession. Amanda Curry is the manager of estates and trusts at FL Fuller Landau and making her first appearance on the show. Hello, Amanda. Hi, thank you for having me. Our pleasure. So first, uh, general guidance, of course, having an estate plan is the first step. Um, if you're a business owner, you absolutely need one, right? No exceptions? Nope. <laughs> Simple as that. I think, um, and, and I don't mind me if I jump in here, Amanda, it's such a hot topic in the last couple of years, especially the amount of questions we get, uh, you know, at the firm with, you know, setting up uh, the proper estate plan. You want to have everything in place to secure the wealth that, you know, you've, you've built or you're building for your family and ensure that everything is as clear as it should be while you're still around. So I think, Amanda, let's start with the basics. What would you say is the most important aspect to consider when you're putting together your estate plan? Um, great question, actually. I would, I would have to say that one of the most important aspects of estate planning would really be who you're going to choose to be um, your liquidator or your executor. They are going to be the leaders going forward for you and to plan out your wishes. So it's really, really important that you choose someone that you know you can trust and you know that will fulfill that duty. <clears throat> you know, I think people today consider the role of a liquidator or an executor to be quite an honor. And, and actually, it, don't get me wrong, it, it definitely is. Um, but I think more and more people are going to start learning that it's a really, really big responsibility to put on one or two individuals. Um, you know, today, a lot of our lives are really busy. We have so many commitments. Um, our world and our lives are moving so fast. And to dedicate, you know, an extra 12 to 18 months of just pure administration work, it's, it's quite the add-on task of someone, right? Um, so I really believe when you're in that mode of deciding who you want to handle your whole estate for that duration of time, it's really important to talk to the person about it in advance. 
you know, don't be afraid to inquire first on what are the, let's say, I don't know, 180 steps that are going to be involved in the whole mandate. You know, don't be afraid to say that you might need help um, from a third party whose job is to do exactly that work. Yeah, for sure, Amanda. And I think as clear as, as you could be in the will and drafting, you know, everything you kind of see happening in, in the future, once you're not there anymore, I think that makes that person's job easier as a liquidator. Yeah. Of course, they're, they're still going to have to make decisions, right? Um, so I had another question. What do you, I mean, one challenge, like you said, is finding the, the right people uh, to be part of that process. But what would you say is the biggest challenge when you're putting together your, your succession plan? It would really have to be, you know, today's family dynamics. Um, I think today more than ever, we have all different sorts of family structures and it's managing all those moving parts and all those individuals that can 100% make it more challenging when putting together your succession plan. You know, not all family live in the same jurisdiction as you. So appointing them as liquidator or even beneficiary sometimes might have to be questioned. Um, some family members don't necessarily get along. So you have to make sure when choosing who gets what in your will that it doesn't cause further issues down the line. Um, there's also the topic of, let's say, second marriages um, and stepchildren. That also has to be carefully considered when planning out your succession, um, your succession plan. And, you know, getting guidance from a professional, whether it be um, your lawyer, your notary, um, or even your accountant, just someone who, you know, might know your family well, um, that you might want to consult when planning out your succession. It's definitely something that I would consider. Um, they can have pointers from other experiences, from other um, times that they've done this for other people on how to just, you know, go about certain things that you you just might find useful and while you're doing your own plan. So finally, Amanda, can you tell us a quick disaster scenario? What happens, um, you know, if, if, if something happens to the owner of a business without a will or succession plan? Yeah, well, let's avoid it if we can, right? Um, today, well, not even just today, in Quebec, it gets quite complicated um, when an individual dies um, in what we call intestate. So it's basically dying without a will. So rather than your estate going to the people you going to the people that you wish your estate goes to, um, your estate is distributed amongst their intestacy rules. Um, and it follows, it's a clear and it's an undebatable chart. It's like a flow chart and it's really your, your, your next of kin's. Um, so this raises the concern, especially in blended families, like we were just talking about different structures and families. So if you're not legally married, let's say, to your second spouse, then they would not deem to inherit. Um, if you were not legally married to your spouse and had children and they had children from their first marriage and you wish that those children do inherit something um, without a will, saying that, then they wouldn't. Um, if you have non-family members, that today are definitely close like family, then you would want to ensure that there is a legally binding document appointing them as beneficiaries, such as a will. You know, there's even charities that you might hold dear to you that you or your business have contributed to um, during your lifetime. Uh, and you might want to continue that and form that as part of your legacy. So if that doesn't happen, if there's nothing outlined saying that, problems arise. 
mandatory manager wills and estates at FL for Lilanda with advice for uh, uh, literally all entrepreneurs there. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And at the end of our show, as usual, we turn to our entrepreneur, Danielle Dano, founder of Calzio Planer, and we ask her for her one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur, Danielle. So the, I'm a speaker now that I, that I have the time to do that, and I try to help entrepreneurs. And I think the best piece of advice is start with passion. You have to be passionate about what you want to do, because if you're doing it just for money, that's not a motivation that will keep you uh, up at night because you will have long hours. Let's not kid ourselves. An entrepreneur works long hours. We do this because we want to be free. We don't have a nine to five job, but we'll work 12, 14, 16 hours a day sometimes. And that's the hours you have to put in. And it's your passion that will keep you through. So money will come after that. If you have a good idea, if you do it honestly, and if you use your contacts around you, money will come after that. That would be my best piece of advice. Thank you so much, Danielle. Lovely meeting you. And Euros, uh, coming up next week. First of all, it's great to have you back. We're going to be back uh, at some point this season. But um, next week, I, I have to say, uh, Marjorie, our producer, has outdone herself. Bustan on the program next week. Nice, nice. I can't wait to listen to that one. And I want to thank Danielle as well. Uh, amazing, amazing show. Um, and as she said, you know, you need to take care of yourself. If you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of, or take care of the ones you love. Always believe you are great before anyone else believes that. I think a lot of times, uh, you know, you'll doubt yourself. But if you don't have that passion, like Danielle said, you know, you need that to fuel your, your journey. So thank you so much, Danielle. Thank you for having me, Dan. And I look forward to the next one. Excellent. Thanks so much. And again, the business is Calzio Planel. Check them out next week. Boostan with Imad Saad, the president of that uh, very, very mouthwatering restaurant chain. A reminder, you can subscribe to Inspiring Entrepreneurs in Montreal as a podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, or your favorite platform. And also log on to the website, inspiringentrepreneursmtl.com for hundreds of local entrepreneur profiles over our 14 years. See you next week. Talk.